Welcome to the Grass-Fed Podcast with certified nutrition consultant and creator of the wellness hub, grassfedgirl.com, Caitlin Weeks. Listen in while she interviews her natural-minded friends and colleagues about how to enjoy relaxed paleo and low-carb living. Caitlin's husband, professional chef and co-author of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking, Nabil Boomrar, often stops in to answer questions about gluten-free cooking. Get ready to learn about a holistic lifestyle that is rewarding and fun. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Grass Dead Podcast. We're so excited you're joining us today. We're going to interview Bridget Danner from the Women's Wellness Collaborative. She's going to come on the line in just a minute, and we're going to talk all about fertility, one of my favorite topics, being a almost 40 woman wanting a baby, so that'll be interesting. <laughs> uh, if you haven't been over to my blog lately at grassfedgirl.com, go to, uh, check out the new articles. There's how to Save Money on Paleo. That was my last podcast. That was just me telling you all my tips and tricks, which is really just make more money so you can buy food. Uh, just uh-huh. <laughs> Ketogenic diet mistakes. Those are interesting. If you have been trying a ketogenic diet in vain, maybe you're making some of those mistakes. Also, I have a lavender, lemon, and peppermint roll on that's great for supporting healthy respiratory function all of that and so today it is hot 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 in nashville it's like 100 degrees <laughs> and i ate lunch with my friend shannon who was on my podcast before talking about thyroid go back and listen to that one from shannon garrett wellness and we ate outside at bar taco it's really trendy and it was hot but we had some good ceviche. You can always go on Instagram and see what I ate at Grassfed Girl over on Instagram. You can see what I eat almost every meal if you want to see. So we are just so excited to have Bridget on. I have been, I wanted to have, well, I always thought I'd have a baby and then it just never happened. So we are still working on it. Hopefully we have a few more years to get it done. And so that's why this topic is of interest to me, and Bridget is here with us. So welcome, Bridget. Thank you for coming on. Hey, Caitlin. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to answer any questions on your mind about fertility. Okay, well, first I'm going to read Bridget's bio that's really impressive. So Bridget Danner runs the online women's health community called Women's Wellness Collaborative. Through this community, she interviews experts in women's health through blogs, videos, podcasts, and online summits. Bridget Danner practiced Chinese medicine for nearly 12 years and has performed over 12,000 treatments. Wow. She is a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She has worked extensively in the fertility field and has worked with many professional women in helping them find health within their busy lives. Bridget became passionate about women's health after her own postpartum health crisis with the help of life coaching, holistic nutrition, functional medicine, and whole food cooking. She was able to recover from postpartum depression, Epstein-Barr, and adrenal dysregulation. She loves to share the tools and skills she need. She learned along the way with 
and other experts and women everywhere to find balance energy they crave. All right. Did it. That's me. <laughs> you know, no, those, those are hard, hard to read because they're, they're like, what is this? These, these are my words. words. <laughs> yeah. um, so that is impressive. So you had a baby and you were, you didn't have any health challenges or really that you noticed until you had a baby? No, I wouldn't say that, but I would say that, um, like a lot of women, um, you know, having a baby is a big change in your hormones and your lifestyle. So it just kind of sent me into, you know, triggered some things for me. Um, as far as my own fertility and, and having a baby, um, I was, let's see, I guess I was 33 when I conceived my son. So you know, when I was getting concerned, like, about my fertility and all that, so I was pretty proactive about learning about fertility and charting my cycle and all that um, before I had my son, and I think it was helpful. I mean, I conceived pretty pretty quickly and had a healthy baby, but at the same time, my health was not perfect. Like, I definitely had IBS um, before I had him, and I was um, really sick, like a lot of puking during my pregnancy. So, you know, looking back, I think I had some some unresolved issues that led to having a, a harder pregnancy and a harder, you know, time postpartum. So, yeah, I, I luckily, you know, learned some ways to get out of that and just really wanted to pay it forward. What What is that a sign of when you have a lot of sickness during your pregnancy? Well, I mean, of course, there's kind of a lot of folk lore around that kind of thing, like, oh, it's because you have a boy or, you know, this or that. But, I mean, you do, you have a lot of hormones to process. Your hormones are very high when you're pregnant. But to me, I think if you have a congested liver or you have inflammation in your body, I think that that makes it harder. Also, um, B6 deficiency is a big one. So if you go into pregnancy with any B6 deficiency, um, you can be quite nauseous. So, um, you know, hindsight 2020, you know, I didn't know about all that when I was conceiving. Um, so I decided to not have any more children. I just have one. But if I were to have tried again, I would have definitely, like, you know, done some things differently as far as prepping my body. Well, so did you, did you know all about nutrition and stuff before you had, before you got pregnant? Not really. No. <laughs> I mean, I was already an acupuncturist, but I went to school at a very like Chinese school. Like, you know, I learned all my Chinese herbs and I, you know, there wasn't the like the link wasn't created when I went to school about um, you know, nutrition in the modern world versus like this ancient medicine. Like, you know, and there was nobody eating like gluten-free when I went to school and like you know, I was really having IBS even when I was in Chinese medicine school. And, um, you know, I had some treatments that were helpful, but it really wasn't anything that was like a long-term fix for me. Uh, and that's because I really didn't, you know, understand much about nutrition. I was, you know, eating a lot of dairy and weed and just eating out a lot. And, um, you know, like a regular person. Like, pretty much, like, I probably, like, a lot of people, I was like, oh, I eat, you know, I eat all right. You know, I wasn't eating McDonald's, but I certainly wasn't eating well. Yeah. 
Well, you have to. Yeah, well, isn't in Chinese medicine, it's like, don't eat cold food. And it's like, what? Yeah, I mean, I mean actually, actually, when you kind of go back, back and interpret it, it, a lot of it, it is pretty awesome stuff you know like they're really into eating you know like all parts of the animal for instance and when I was in school I was like that's disgusting but now we know like that's a great idea so um I think you can go back to some of that ancient stuff and really and marry it with um, our modern understanding but at the time there was just like a chasm for me okay um so I mean what are you know there's a lot of people like you said, there's a lot of, um, I don't even know what you call it, but like wives' tales about fertility and, you know, and what are, what are some of the misconceptions that people have in like the regular, from like your mom or grandma or whatever? Huh. Hmm, that's, that's a good, good question. question. Well, like in everyday talk, you know, just everyday talk out in the. Yeah, as far as everyday talk, I think some of the modern misconceptions that I would really love for people to know listening, uh, I think one is just like that you're going to hop off your birth control pill and get pregnant like the next month. Um, you know, many women are spending 10, 20 years on birth control or more, and they don't know anything about their own hormones as a result. Um, their body isn't running itself hormonally at all. And, um, you know, with excited anticipation, they come off the pill only to maybe find that their health is really quite dysregulated and it's going to take a while to, um, you know, get their cycle back at all or to get a regular cycle or to, you know, balance their hormones. So I think it's, it's really important for people to know that it's, it's, it's often not that simple. I mean, though, there are some people who, yeah, get off the pill and get pregnant right away, but there are many, many people who do not. Um, so for one thing, you can get off the pill sooner. You know, there are other ways to use birth control if you're not quite ready to get pregnant yet, but you can get off sooner and start to get to know your cycle again, start to track your cycle. You basically just see what comes up because you basically haven't had a cycle in many years. So uh, I think that's that's important. That's one important one. I got a couple more for you too. Let me say, <clears throat> I mean, I was on all different kinds of birth control all the time, you know, until like five or six years ago or something. But, um, but I never thought about, I didn't know anything about my cycle or anything. I mean, until, and I think that's the case for most women, like they haven't a clue until they actually like get, I got that book, like, was it that one that, like, Mary told me about it, the one? About charting your cycle or something? Yeah, yeah. But, but it's, like, the main one that's, but it's, like, a natural one, I think. Yeah, yeah, why, why am, am I totally blanking on the name of that? It's, like, like the, the one that, or Tony Wexler or something is your name. So it had, like, a CD inside of it or something. <laughs> anyway, it's, um... It'll come to me in a minute. I'm surprised it's not on around here. But uh, that was the first time, like, I ever had any idea that <laughs> what was going on, you know. And I just think that's so interesting in our culture that, like, m most women have 
just no inkling about any of that stuff. I didn't even know, like, when you could get pregnant, really, during the month, or, like, you know, the window, or any of that stuff, you know? No, no most people don't, because, because as soon as we become a teenager, you know, often we have cramps, or we have some symptoms, or we are sexually active, and it's like, well, go ahead and get on the pill, and then we don't have to worry about any of these questions or any of these symptoms. So, you know, that starts early, and it often doesn't end. Or maybe, like you, people try a different form of birth control or something like that. But, uh, you know, often when we get off the pill or off the birth control, we do have some wonkiness in our cycle that we don't know how to address. So we get back on something else, you know. That's funny. So any other misconceptions you want to go over? Yeah, a couple more. I mean, one is, is around age. So I, um, we'll talk more about this because I bet you have more questions. But I think there is a bit of a misconception that you can just get pregnant at any age, especially I think because a lot of celebrities get pregnant when they're, when they're older. Um, and maybe they always aren't honest about how they conceived. Um, so you see some gorgeous... 42 year old woman and she's got twins and you're like wow you know everybody's doing it and um <laughs> it's not you know it's not always that easy I and mean, your chances of conceiving in any given month when you're 40 versus 25 are are different just just flat because of age they usually say it takes about a year to conceive when you're over 40 which is exactly what you don't want. You know, you don't want to have to wait around. It's just kind of how, you know, the body works. The odds are different. So, and every, I totally respect everyone's situation. Like, I didn't marry till I was 33, and some people don't get married ever or not until they're 40, and that's life nowadays. Um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, things happen when they happen. But, you know, if you do have a choice... I do know some couples or some women who are like, oh, well, I just thought I could just put it off as long as I wanted, and now this is a lot harder than I thought, and why didn't anyone tell me? So I just want to be the one to tell you that, yeah, it is harder when you're older um, in a lot of cases. So so if you have a choice to do, to do it sooner, um, it might be a choice you want to make. Uh, and then the last one is about men. I think there's still a misconception that, the man isn't really a factor somehow, uh, and it's it's not true at all. Uh, so it's they usually say with a case of infertility, a third of the time it's uh, because of the woman, a third of the time it's because of the man, and the other third it's mixed. Both man and woman have an issue. So yeah, that's a lot of the time that the the male is an issue. <laughs> yeah, I mean you you don't you don't hear about that at all ever from like, no. conventional circles no and then, you know the women are the ones seeking that information on fertility which i get it's, it's fine um but then it's sort of our job to go back to the men in our life and say hey yeah this is something you know you need to you need to get involved with and you need to you need to learn about and you need to come to the naturopath with me or you know let's do this cleanse together or let's get in shape together that kind of a thing and there's a lot of shame around it for men, I think, so. Yeah, it, men um, react differently emotionally than women do, and that's something to respect. Um, something I was going to talk about later, if we have time, is just, it's going to be really hard on a relationship. Um, 
because the way men and women deal with fertility issues is different and our value systems can just be different around healthcare. Like often women are more into alternative stuff and want more nurturing and the man is just like, just leave me alone or why can't we just see a regular doctor? So that, um, yeah, it's just something to know. It's something for the two of you to like to go to the doctor at all. They don't like to go at all. Yeah, I've had some husbands sitting in my room with like their arms crossed and just like it's just the worst. It's so awkward. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, these are just you know conversations to have. These are things to work out. You know, every relationship has its times where we have to grow and uh, figure things out together. And fertility is one of those times. I mean, and sometimes though, when it's like. The push comes to shove, it's like, they don't, there's no choice. Like, it's like, if you want a baby, you have to do things you don't want to do, you know, sometimes. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. I mean, for I the think... time's sake and, and all that. Exactly. It's just, you can't think, oh, well, this isn't how I expected it to be. Well, yeah, life isn't always how we expect it to be, you know. Maybe you're going to have a sperm donor, an egg donor, or you're going to, you know, have to lose some weight, but that's, if you want the baby, there's sometimes some hoops to jump through. Again, it goes back to your first question about, like, you know, what are the misconceptions? Like, some, I think we often just expect, well, as soon as I want the baby, the baby will appear. And not, you got you to gotta find your way to that baby sometimes. Well, I think, you know, sometimes you're like, I don't know if I want a baby or not. <laughs> Exactly. exactly that's, that's another thing about modern life you're like i see that all the time and some friends of mine you know i really didn't think i wanted a baby and now i suddenly do and that that happens so it's okay or you're like or you're like well i don't want to not it's like i want you to want to do the dishes like i don't want a baby but i don't want to not be able to <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting it's like really interesting like you want everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so we always hear nowadays about everyone doing all the IVF and all that. So what do you think about that? Are there any dangers about that? Yeah, you know, sometimes IVF is great. Or, you know, there's other other inventions now that are helpful. Um, Cloning. <laughs> What's that? Cloning. No, I don't know. Oh, yeah, cloning. Cloning's coming around quickly. Um, yeah, there's different, like, hormonal treatments even, you know, before IVF, and there's, you know, different procedures. Um, you know, getting, sometimes you need, you know, sometimes you can have things like a heart-shaped uterus, which can prevent you from holding a pregnancy. So some of the modern surgeries are really great. Some A lot of IVF could be avoided um, just by people working on their nutrition and working on their hormonal health. So I do think a lot of it could be avoided. Um, but, you know, if it's not a timeline you're willing to accept or you feel like you've already gone that route and it hasn't worked for you yet, uh, it's certainly something um, to look into and it can be successful. Um, so some of the downsides, you know, they've gotten a lot better with the medication and, and that have it be less stimulating, but it, it is toxic medic medication. You know, it can be hard on your body to process. Um, 
they used to, there can be something called ovarian hyperstimulation where the ovaries get kind of irritated from the, the medication. But I think they handle that better than they used to. Um, certainly if you try IVF and it fails, you know, because they took over your cycle basically to run that IVF, it, you know, again, your body has to adjust and kind of try to take back the reins. So, it's sometimes, it, even though it seems like it's the faster thing, it can be slower um, because of the way they have to prep your body and take breaks and collect eggs. You know, it can be time-consuming as well and certainly expensive. Um, I think that people, uh, no pun intended, but they put all their eggs in one basket and they really think, okay, well, if I just pay this $15,000, I'll get the baby and I can be done with it. But it doesn't always happen like that. And then it can create a lot of disappointment uh, and frustration. Um, so it's, you know, totally fine to do it if it's your choice. I think just go in with your eyes open that, um, you know, now they, they usually say to have three cycles of IVF. So they're not, they can't claim you're, you know, you're going to get pregnant on the first time. They can't even claim you will after those three cycles. Um, and that's, that's a lot to, to go through. Um, but at the same time, you know, I have nothing against anyone who chooses to have IVF or, or anything like that. So it's all personal. Go ahead. What about the hormones and stuff that they give people? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're strong, uh, but I do think they have gotten better with dosing it. Like, I don't see a lot of my clients have a lot of side effects, which is pretty great. I mean, you do have to, like, sh you know, give yourself shots in the stomach or the butt or whatever, and it's not the funnest. Um, you know, there's this whole routine to follow. Uh, but it seems to me that they've gotten better so that I think back in the day there used to be a lot more side effect complaints than there are now. So it just depends on your own body and how you, how you tolerate things. Um, but, you know, certainly then they're in your system. And like I said, if you have IVF and then you want to take a break or go another route, it can take some time to, to clear that out of your system and, and let your body get back to baseline. Yeah. Um, I had something else, but it went out of my head. But I know you are really into nutrition now. So, oh, I know what I was going to say. <clears throat> this is good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, don't you think sometimes, like, you know, survival of the fittest, like, there's a reason why we, did, we shouldn't have, like, everything's not working out, like, right in yes. an easy way. I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation. You're right. right. We, we should, should have, have this conversation. conversation. It's, it's it's true. I mean, if, if your body isn't fit enough to make a baby, it doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it may mean that you genetically aren't strong enough. You're nutritionally not strong enough. Um, and, you know, yeah, they're, like they won't say, for example, there's a procedure now that's really common with IVF where they shove the sperm into the egg. It's called ICSI. Um, it's super common now. I think most IVF is using it. It's because sperm quality has gone down as well as, you know, often the egg quality is compromised. So instead of the sperm going in the dish and you know, the other type of IVF and finding its way into the egg, it's just put right in there. So if that sperm wasn't even able to get in and impregnate, like how good a quality is that? And there is, you know, there there's a study out of Australia that did show like a higher rate of, you know, birth defects and autism and uh, that kind of thing. Like not a hugely higher, but, you know, a few percentage higher 
um, with ICSI. Like, you know, they tested, you know, a thousand couples who had ICSI and how the kids turned out and that kind of a thing. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a really valid question. That's why I always prefer, you know, even... Um, even if you do end up getting a procedure, like at the minimum along the same time, be working on your nutrition, be working on your hormones, be fixing your gut. You owe it to your child to do this. Like everybody wants a kid who's smart and funny and able to do what they want. Well, how do they get that way? They get that way by your quality sperm and egg. Like that's literally all they have to start out with. So you definitely 100% owe it to them to get off the junk food and, you know, get off the Xbox and, like, you know, be a parent. Like, start being a parent now. I, I, I see a lot of um, people and, you know, they've, they've had a good life as an adult. They can do whatever they want. They can go to happy hour. They can stay up late. Well, if you want to be a parent, it's time to change that because you won't be able to do any of that when you're a parent anyways. So, you know, time to reel in the habits and get healthy. Yeah, like, nutritionally and, like, exercise and um, and also for smoking, alcohol. And, yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you're really overweight and things like that, it's not a good, it's not a good, I'm sure, in, I mean, you tell me, but I've always thought that insulin sensitivity would have an impact on sperm count yeah i mean that's a good question i think it can um i'm just hearing some feedback is it sound okay to you i mean it's just a little but not okay Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely if you're having insulin sensitivity, you can also be being in an inflamed state. And similar process between a man and a woman as far as like the hypothalamus pituitary, talk to the sex organs, the ovaries or the testes and regulate either how sperm are produced, because sperm are being produced all the time, or how an egg sort of grows up. Um, so uh, insulin sensitivity and, like, the inflammation that comes along with that, again, the inability for sugars to get into cells and cells to have energy, I definitely think that comes into play. I think they're finding out now more and more, like, if you are pregnant and insulin sensitive, uh, then, you know, you have a greater chance of having a big baby who's also in, has insulin sensitivity and has, you know, is going to be starting out in life having trouble regulating their weight and their food cravings and that kind of a thing. So, they um, won't be insulin sensitive, right? You want to be insulin sensitive, right? Not insulin. Yes. Insulin. Okay, I'm using the wrong, <laughs> yeah, the wrong phrase. Yes. You Thank you. You want your body to notice. Insulin resistant. I don't know how I got saying insulin resistant. Okay. Yes. So yeah, they're finding out more and more about that. And as you know from studying the paleo diet, it's it's like especially when we've had you know decades of eating too much you know white bread and white flour and alcohol and all that. Um, you know, and many of us are trying to become parents when we're older. You know, those those processes are, of insulin resistance are really set in, and so it's a great time to work on on reversing that uh, before you try to conceive. Absolutely, and uh, you know, for many years, I did you know everything wrong with um, with my health, 
But I followed all the conventional medical advice and medical and the conventional diet advice and all that. And so, uh, you know, that's what the last five or six years has been about, just reversing that kind of behavior and, uh, and trying to fix my health. But so what do you think are some of the best foods for fertility? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it is, is stuff you already know, you know, getting lots of healthy fats, you know, from butter, ghee, or eating the whole animal, pastured eggs, um, nuts, nut butters, you know, avocado, all that good stuff, you know, helps make your hormones. Um, you know, a couple superfoods, I mean, heart is actually a great superfood for fertility, especially as we get older, especially for you know, sperm and egg issues. Um, so heart is high in CoQ10, right, which is a great antioxidant for sperm and egg. So antioxidants in general are quite nice for sperm and egg because as, as like, for example, as the egg grows, it grows incredibly fast. It becomes like the biggest cell in the body. And that process of growth creates oxidation. So one way we can support an egg, especially an older egg, is lots and lots of antioxidants uh, in the system and in the blood um, when we're conceiving. Um, you know, all the B vitamins are really important for cycling and great ovulation. So you know, oh, such, such a, a such a wide variety of food. You know, all all the meats, lots of greens. Um, getting a, just a wide variety of foods is great. Not getting stuck in a rut. Um, getting lots of different types of fibers so you have a healthy gut. Um, I learned once that you should have at least twenty different types of fruits and vegetables a week because all those different types will have different fibers that will feed your gut in a different way. And that's something I still talk about a lot um so let's see what else i think you know that's the fundamental fish and stuff sure yeah the little fish you know are always safer so yeah sardines if you can eat them (laughs) if you don't like them make them into like a caesar dressing or something like that um what else liver liver yep clean liver is really great um, yeah, and, you know, if I think like cod, you know, good cod liver oil on the side can be great. It's like a basic supplement, vitamin D, getting lots of sunshine and fresh air too. Um, you can consider getting like a micronutrient tested if you're trying to conceive, um, and seeing what specific vitamins you're weak in. Cause some of us are just, even when we eat well, like we have a, uh, MTHFR gene mutation and we're having trouble making certain vitamins you know like for me I'm always dealing with my gut health trying to make it better and if you're not absorbing all your nutrients even if you try to eat well there can be a problem so it's also right like what you know how does your body process food and and uh, supporting that especially if that's something you've never tried to tweak before before trying to get pregnant it might be time to you know, work on your digestion or get micronutrient testing or get genetic testing and, you know, seeing what specific nutrients you are low in. You can find a functional diagnostic practitioner near you. You can. Yeah, you know, sometimes, like, especially if you're, if you're trying to get pregnant and you do feel like you eat well, you're like, I already do all those things, Bridget. Um, then maybe it's time to 
to work with someone because there are little hidden things in modern life that we could be missing that are hindering our fertility. You know, I mentioned birth control, you know, that can really deplete you of B vitamins. And even if you were on a multi or eating well while you were on birth control, you could be really quite depleted in those B vitamins you need to ovulate well um, after coming off birth control. When you're talking about vitamins and what is your stance on the the vitamin, the prenatal vitamin? Well, yeah. So, and like the whole kind of one a day vitamin is a bit of a myth. And I found one 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 a day that I like. It's by Pure Encapsulations. It's called like One Multi or something like that. You'd have to get it from a practitioner. Um, and, and that, that one, one is a nice formula, but, uh, you know, if you're going to buy it at your grocery store, it really should be like a whole food one. It should have folate and not folic acid. That's really important. Um, you know, all the ones you buy at Target or Costco are all going to have folic acid. And many of them, even at the natural food store, will have folic acid. So, you know, just I would say get some advice from your practitioner or, you know, from you, Caitlin, or from some trusted source who can give you some advice on vitamins because they are certainly not all created equal. Yeah, I mean, most of the ones at the stores have been found to be just like corn starch. So, oh gosh, definitely be careful about that. But do you think somebody has to take one or can they get it from their food? Hmm. You know, I like it as an, I do like it as an insurance plan as long as it's high quality. Um, the one I'm experimenting with taking now is the one by uh, Mira and Jason Calton, who done, have done a lot of research on supplements and micronutrients. And there's this like a little powder you take at morning and night, so there's no fillers. And they research all the best forms of vitamins that are most absorbable. And you take it morning and night because, you know, new micronutrients compete for receptor sites. So sometimes taking, like, everything at once is going to mean you only get half of it or some of it. Um, so the cells can't take it all in at once. Yeah, exactly. Like, some of the minerals attach to the same site. So, um, like, for their formula, you know, it's more of, like, the water-soluble um, like B vitamins and stuff in the morning and then more of the minerals at night. And they, I probably can't give you all the particulars, but they, they know how, which ones compete with each other and they've separated them basically. Um, so yeah, I, I do like the idea of supplementing, but I would say if, 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 um, if I had the choice of no supplement versus one that you pick up at, Walgreens for five dollars. I'd rather you have no supplement. Okay. <laughs> but um, I think that yeah, I mean, it's not something to mess around with. If you if you if you're not in, you know, sitting there eating liver every night, then it may not be something you want to you know play Russian roulette with. So uh, the the next thing I want, I know you're really big on. Um, you know, getting your body ready for baby, and what it, do you see some people having uh, exercise as a as a hindrance, like too much? Sometimes, like in, in our world of you know online medicine and all this stuff, I, you do see it sometimes with like CrossFit and like you know competitive. You know, there aren't that many men and women at 
that level if we really look at the whole American population. But there are some who are, you know, competitively cycling or... But if you, <laughs> if you lose your period, you're probably not going to get pregnant. Exactly. Yeah. If you lose your period, you're not going to get pregnant. If you're so thin, you know, you're such a low body fat, your body, you know, feels like, it. wow, she has no stores for if we become pregnant, then it, it, it may not ovulate. You may even, this is important to know too, you may get your period. It doesn't mean you ovulated. Um, so that's, that's can be tricky there. Um, it doesn't mean you ovulated. It could mean you ovulated very weakly, um, like not a strong egg, that kind of a thing. You know, for men, if cycling can be a problem, like sitting on the testes type of thing. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a lot of people in that category. But if you are one who, especially if you are trying to conceive, um, just like we talked about with the smoking and drinking and staying up late, like you're probably not going to stay like a competitive super cyclist when you're a brand new mom so I know it's hard to give up our lifestyle but it you know it's something you're gonna have to give up anyway at least for a while yeah so I get it it's really hard to change your habits and we love the cycle and we we love to go to CrossFit but if you find that you are doing those things and you are you feel like you're doing everything right and you're not getting pregnant you may need to look at that you are overdoing it Right. And I know you're really big on, uh, well, one other thing is talk a little bit about uh, sleep. Yeah, sleep is really important, as you know. Um, and that's another one that's like, I see a lot of my couples trying to conceive. They don't have to get to bed early for anybody because they're living their own life. Um, but really, you know, our bodies are meant to go to bed when it gets dark. Um, that's when we repair. That's when we produce growth hormone to heal our bodies and we heal our adrenal glands and all that. So, you know, I'm a big fan of getting to bed by 10 p.m. Um, it's, I think it's like a magical time, you know, 10 to 12 is an important time to heal the adrenal glands. So that, that's a big shift for some people, um, who are going to bed at 12 or one every night. And it doesn't mean you have to suddenly go to bed at 10, but start rolling it back, you know, get off. Probably you're not up till 12 or one unless you're either drinking or on a computer. So, you know, reel those things in, get off the computer or off the TV sooner, um, and start getting more on that natural rhythm of sleep. That's a good one. And one other thing about lifestyle is, you know, how do you, when you see your clients or when you used to see all the people, like how did you notice stress being like a common theme? Sure. Well, it's a double whammy because it's like life is already stressful and now you've added on this project of trying to get pregnant and feeling uh, you know, very emotional about it. It's a very deep thing to feel when you feel you can't get pregnant or you're worried you won't be able to get pregnant. So it is stressful. Yeah. Um, and it's important to just really nourish yourself and nurture yourself while you go through the process of trying to get pregnant um, to keep up your relationship with your partner the best you can. You know, maybe it's time to you know, get a coach or get a therapist or get massage more often. And um, I see sometimes people too, like wanting to kind of give up on trying because they think it's too stressful. So I think if you're trying and you're doing some extra stuff, you have to find a way to make it feel 
not too stressful for you. Like kind of be playful about it or uh, one thing I say is be discerning. Like you don't have to try everything under the book. You don't have to take 25 supplements but choose a few things that feel really right to you. And maybe it's only three things like getting to bed sooner, um, cooking your meals more often, and I don't know, like getting a walk in nature every day. Like it doesn't have to be huge. Um, and you just kind of, yeah, it's hard, but just, you know, manage your own case in life to, to, to deal with, yeah, what can potentially be a stressful time of trying to get pregnant. Well, and, and you have to also look at your overall stress. I mean, if you you may not be able to get pregnant because you hate your job or, you know, things like that, too. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's the, first, first, the whole other first bucket, which is yeah. your normal life before you're trying, which is, yeah, looking at your relationships and your satisfaction at work and your commute. And, you know, it's not saying everybody has to, but sometimes you, you do have to change your job or... I remember I was working with someone and she, she, I worked with her and she had her first baby and that was great. And then she went back to work as an accountant full time, you know, um, long commute. And now she had a baby at home and she loved her baby. Um, but she's like, Oh, I just don't have time to eat healthy and exercise. And I, you know, I'm always doing something I'm working or I'm taking care of my kid. And it's like, well, yeah, you kind of don't really have time. Like you have a very demanding life. And it's up to everybody how they're going to figure it out. But um, sometimes it may be time to make a, a big change. Yeah, or figure out a way to work from home some days or something like that. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to ask. Say, hey, you know, if your boss really values you and you're like, hey, I, I just I need to work at home, you know, some days, like you said, for my health and happiness, is that possible? Just ask. Yeah, or freelance or something like that. I mean, and, and look at your priorities, you know. If you can't have everything, you can't have, like, all the money and all of this and all of that and then want a baby or another baby or, you know. Sometimes you have to make a compromise somewhere. Yeah, yeah sometimes, sometimes in fertility talk, talk about, like, creating space in your life for the baby. baby. Like, if, if you're, you're always working or always working out or always something – like where's the energetic space for the baby to come in so sometimes you need to give up give up something to get the next thing good point so i know one of your things you like to talk about is the all the chemicals around our home and all the plastics and all that junk so how is that helping hurting people hindering them yeah, that's, that's a big, big one. one. That's, that's a really big one. one. And I think it's one that gets um, not enough press. So we love to talk about food online. We love to talk about food all the time. And if you eat right, and but yet you put on, you know, like your expensive, toxic face cream and, you know, conditioner and body lotion, and, you know, then you wash your clothes with, fragrance and then you spray on perfume and then you use air freshener in the house and then you like I'm getting, I'm getting sick <laughs> you're getting sick just thinking about it I know we don't even realize sometimes how much gross stuff it, that's a big factor so, so just to put it briefly um 
the ingredients that make our stuff smell good and feel smooth and, and all that kind of magical sensation as consumers, uh, those are often what we call xenoestrogens. They're chemicals that look like estrogen to the body, and they go in and attach to estrogen receptors, and the body thinks, oh, there's a lot of estrogen here, and it might stop making estrogen, or it might see that there's too much estrogen and start to store it in the fat tissue, or it starts to clog up the liver. Um, so for women, this can be a problem because most women are in estrogen dominance. And then for men, it can certainly be a problem because they should never be in estrogen dominance. They should be in testosterone dominance. That's their hormone. So they don't need a bunch of estrogen. Uh, so it's, it's a really big deal. And it's important to read labels and educate yourself little by little. Um, at our recent hormone summit, you know, one big big hairy ingredient to watch for is just called fragrance. Um, anything that's scented artificially is going to have xenoestrogens. So, you know, even if you're at your natural grocery and you're um, buying like a sunscreen or whatever it is, like you really have to read and see, um, does it have, how is it fragranced? How is it, what's made out of, if it says, you know, fragranced with essential oil of orange, you know, that's fine. But if it just says generic fragrance or parfum or perfume, that's synthetic. Um, and then another word on sunscreen, you know, even at the natural store, many of those are chemical sunscreens. So it should say the active ingredients is like a mineral, like zinc. It shouldn't say it's like oxobenzene or whatever it's called. Uh, <laughs> So little by little to learn those labels is, is super, super important. And I think the number one is things you put on your skin. Um, and then, yeah, after that, things you put in your hair. Go ahead. I mean, I mean that's one of the few, one of the things I became aware of a couple of years ago. And I, I started getting into essential oils. And so there's a lot, a lot of articles over on my blog about essential oh, oils. About, you know, how to make your own household cleaner, your own um, hand soap and your own uh, face cream and just all that stuff that you, so you can sub out and make your own really quickly with essential oils. So um, that's over on my blog. So make sure you're subscribed. So go ahead, Bridget. What, what, uh, oh, you were going to talk about like furniture and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like, you know, as you, you keep going around your house, you know, for sure, like, what do you clean with? Um, and then, since you mentioned furniture, I mean, a lot of people who are thinking of having a baby do have a new house or remodeling a house, getting new furniture. So, so being really conscious of, of what you buy. I know sometimes for me, like, when I have an exciting project, I forget, did I need to ask and read labels? Um, we just had to buy some carpet for a home, like we're remodeling. And, and you know, we had this whole conversation with the person about, you know, the price and this and that. And I was like, oh, gosh, wait, I need to ask, like, what's coming out of this carpet? You know, what is, how is it glued on? Like, is it going to be off-gassing? And they're not even going to know, you know. They're like, this is the best one, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, luckily we're in Portland, Oregon, so he did know. Yeah, a lot of people would not know. You're, You're absolutely right. right. And um, it, it takes some extra time to do that research and, you know, find a carpet that's that's better or, you know, choose the right paint or, or you know, think about how you remodel and, and that kind of thing. But it's, it is worthwhile. And uh, I think people 
I mean, I got an old house just because I want it. Well, then you got your lead, so who knows? <laughs> it's really tough. Um, it's, it's really, really tough. asbestos. I was just telling you we're we're remediating, remediating our house of mold. Um, there's, there's, you know, the modern world. world. There's, there's a lot of crazy stuff <laughs> happening. So uh, uh, you have to be careful. You know, mostly, yeah, if you're dealing with an old home, if you're trying to get pregnant, you probably shouldn't be the one there, like, with the jackhammer, like, trying to get all the stuff out yourself. Like, hire someone else to do that. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think, I mean, one thing I think is an easy thing is to buy things that are used so at least, like, they have been able to off-gas some yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually, actually a big, big thing. thing, you know, and even, even with, like, when you buy children's things, things like clothes and cribs and all that, like, buy it used, because, um, yeah, it's, it's off-gassed. Uh, everyone wants to buy that new shiny stuff for their baby room, uh, but better to get, get, a, get used stuff. It doesn't have the cooties. <laughs> it's okay for you. Yeah, I mean, um, you can get a diffuser, and that will help your in your indoor air. If you get a diffuser, they'll help to clean the indoor air. So that's a good thing. And, yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes people think they're going to do some kind of big detox. What What are some of your thoughts about detoxing for fertility? Yeah, so, so I, I, I like, like detoxing for, for fertility. A couple things to know are one is like you should not be doing a strong detox at the same time you're trying to get pregnant because you are literally dumping more toxins into your bloodstream and that can affect how your sperm and egg develop. Um, so take, you know, usually they say if you do a really big detox, take like three months off from trying before you start again. If my folks are just too anxious, I'll say at the minimum you have to, definitely not try while we're doing the detox um and then as far as what type of detox um you know there's more gentle ones that you can do without too much worry like just doing sauna and dry brush and you know eating a super clean diet and you know taking out all the sugar and coffee and all that so you can do it that way and more simply or with a practitioner you could do one with more like supplements that support your detox and your detox pathways and and that kind of thing but for that I'd say you know have some supervision um I don't think those little like detox kits from the grocery store are they're either probably kind of junky or you know maybe not the best choice for you um mostly they're probably just not that effective um but I do encourage a detox. Like, I think it would be an amazing world to live in if everybody, you know, six to 12 months out, you know, they did a detox and they saw their naturopath and they, you know, this really got their health in a good place beforehand. Yeah. And, and go in a time machine to when you're like 25 again, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. That would be awesome. I mean, that's why they're doing all this crazy egg freezing, but... Um, I think that's still a mixed bag, if that's really going to work. Oh, really? Have you seen that on Mindy? That, like, she's, like, starting a... She on what? Like, on Mindy. Oh, no. I haven't she's seen that this season. Like, she goes around, like, college campuses and tries to get girls to freeze their eggs, like, way ahead of time. She's like, can you, then you can work to forever and, you know, have a... So she has, like, a slogan, like, have... 
have your baby whenever you want or I don't know something like that I, I have to see that, that. Yeah, yeah I guess I was, I was learning like of, of everyone who freezes their eggs there's, there's like a very small percentage who ever actually use them which I thought was interesting um and then I think there's still a, yeah it's expensive to put your eggs away and I think it's still unknown like the efficacy of like uh, of it all like how well does that egg accept the sperm and I have to do a little more research on that one before I before I say for sure but uh I think it's you know it's not as much of a home run as as it's touted to be well um yeah I think time will tell about all that so well, Bridget, I think it's we've covered a lot today and helped a lot of people. So tell the, our listeners, my listeners, where you can find all of your information and what you have coming up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Thanks so, so much for having me. me. So I run a business, Women's Wellness Collaborative, and you can find it under my name, BridgetDanner.com. And we have a lot of guest bloggers. Um, we have our uh, podcast called Women's Wellness Radio that you were on about nine months ago. Um, and it's a variety show, all for women's health. And that's, a, that's really great. Uh, at our website, we have a quiz where you can find out your hidden hormone stressors. And, and then there's a video that comes next to learn about your cycle so there's a lot of fun resources we are always happy to have new members of our community um we are launching a course called perfect periods right now so yeah we, we do a lot around letting you get to know your cycle again and how to support your hormones naturally well awesome well thanks again bridget thanks for having me on your podcast if you want to hear all about my book on on Mediterranean Paleo Cooking on Bridget's podcast. Go over and listen to her on iTunes. And so if you want to subscribe, go to grassfedlist.com and you will never miss a podcast. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Bridget. Mm -hmm.